Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Welcome to episode 45 of Believe in Betting LA. I'm your host, Sam Maxwell. You can follow me on Twitter at smaxwell713 and joined, as always, by my co-host, Chris Lewerk, fresh off of the Last Dance finale. I'm sure we'll get to that, discussing that a little bit later. Chris, you can find him on Twitter at Rock and the fine fellows of Stag Capital at Stag Cap on Twitter. It's Thursday afternoon here, May 21st, Chris. We're still dealing with the aftermath of the coronavirus. <laughs> of no sports. Uh, we're kind of in this doldrum here of, uh, you know, things are being discussed. We'll talk about the current state of affairs for MLB, NBA, but nothing really has legs to it yet here. How, how are you doing through all this? I was thinking that we might have to change the, the Believe in Betting LA might not be a sports thing anymore. It might be you and I going to Hollywood Park Casino and playing pie gal poker behind a sheet of plastic and uh, report, <laughs> reporting back. That might be the betting in LA we get done here if, uh, if the yeah. major sports leagues don't get their act together. Yeah, there's the marble races are a big thing. I saw John Oliver <laughs> just uh, sponsored those. So those will be continuing on. Uh, you can bet on uh, various things. What, what time is the mailman going to come today? Those are all things we can discuss, but it's all uh, it's all very in the in the context of, of you individually. So. Uh, we don't have a lot of great news here. We don't have very many picks today. Unfortunately, the last real sporting event that we covered was the NFL Draft. And if you listened to that episode a couple back, uh, you profited because both Chris and I uh, were winners of that event. Let's talk about it, Chris. The current state of affairs here. Baseball, the league, and the owners, they submitted their proposal. Um, it was about a week and a half ago. There's been a lot of fallout of this. It seemed pretty imminent at the time that... You know, the league wants to do this. The players are definitely motivated as well to make money. Uh, Their statistics are very important. Um, But the players are really putting their foot down here in terms of labor dispute. There's a CBA uh, renegotiation on the way. I think it's after the next season. Uh, And so I'm sure the players don't want to give up leverage that they feel they would be losing uh, by taking less money. Now, just to kind of recap everything, uh, that proposal would have been an 82-game season. It would have been probably two different divisions um, a Western and an Eastern, so it would have put the Dodgers and the Angels and the Astros all in the same division. It would have been really exciting, it would have been really fun. Um, the players, obviously, were going to get paid half of their wages. They already made some concessions. They felt that that was enough, and you've seen some very prominent players, including Blake Snell, Trevor Bauer, both come out uh, and really shoot this down. And so they're standing their ground right now. It remains to be seen, obviously, how long they can do that. Today, again, is May 21st. We do need to see an agreement here, probably in the next couple of weeks, if they're going to start around that July 4th time frame. And if you feel like if they push it back too far down the road, they start a season in August or whatever, I just don't see a scenario in which they can do that and then maintain continuity for the 2021 season. Just what are your thoughts, Chris, on you know how, how baseball is handling this? Is there any hope that we'll see a 2020 Major League Baseball season? I hope we get some some good news here in the next you know week. Uh, right now, it just feels like they haven't really been doing anything the past six weeks or eight weeks even um i would have liked to have seen a little more we've ironed this out we've ironed this out why weren't i get that there was a lot of unknowns but what are you doing all day right you're supposed to be playing right now so why not spend that time just working on hypotheticals if a happens if b happens if c happens i guess we probably don't know the full story and it is a negotiation so we're not hearing about it but this makes me a sad panda because this is baseball's chance right this was baseball's moment 
to recapture a bit of the zeitgeist, uh, especially with younger fans, uh, especially with the nation's interests has been waning in baseball for years and years and years. And what it feels like to me, I hate to be such a contrarian, but it just feels like millionaires and billionaires arguing over a couple million here and a couple million there. Um, Blake Snell, he was on the early on, he was like, he was part of the, this is no big deal train, you know, throwing that out on Twitter. Like this is just the flu, no problem. We'll be fine. And now he's like, I'm putting my life at risk. Uh, you know, get the hell out, Blake. Um, I appreciate people changing their mind, but you're going to have to come a little stronger and a little more detail than this is no big deal to I'm putting my life on the line, uh, which I don't think bores out either, unless he's got a hidden illness that we don't know about. He's young. He's presumably healthy, even though he's a pitcher. Uh, he should be fine. He should be exactly the category of people that in the event you do get sick, you come out on the right end of it. Um, so I just, it makes me sad that baseball isn't kind of grabbing the bull by the horns here a little bit more. Uh, we put professional athletes on pedestals so often and easy for me to say, right? Because I'm not the one who's going to go out there and play and pitch and, and get risk. Uh, although I would argue that I'm probably just as risk of, you know, getting risky going to the store, right? When you go out and you have to live your life, you're running into as many people as you would as a professional athlete, uh, going around town, but the word hero gets thrown around. You know, what a heroic performance by this guy. What a heroic performance by that guy. Uh, here's an opportunity to actually make an impact, Right. Um, it's not just about you making money. There's legitimately a national pride in watching professional sports being played. Um, and it just, this is, I hope I'm dead wrong in it, but I've, uh, I've just been saddened from what I've been reading that they're not further along, that there's not more of a concrete plan in place. But as we know with negotiations, right, no deals getting done, no deals getting done. And then Woj drops a tweet that says deals done. So I hope that's the case here. Uh, I hope that baseball gets their act together because this this is their moment. Like I thought the XFL had a moment, right, to go play on a blimp somewhere, and they didn't do it. Um, this is baseball's moment to to capture a young, a young, interested, available fan base. Yeah, I mean, look, Woj is known for dropping all kinds of bombs on Twitter. If he if he dropped a bomb stating that certainly the NBA was back, but especially if baseball is back, that would, that would be especially a Woj bomb for the ages. Um, and yeah, I mean, look, I think neither one of us really are prone to come on to defend the side of the owners. I think normally both Chris and I would agree that uh, it's the the onus of the owners to make this work. They're the ones making the majority of the money. They're not the ones sacrificing their bodies. They're staying relevant for much, much longer than these players are. Uh, however, I do think a certain amount of onus, as you just mentioned, Chris, has to go to the players here um, in a time when you know we have up to 40% unemployment in certain states. You've got literally millions and millions of people whose lives have been changed forever. Uh, and this has affected probably more than half the country in one way or another, whether that be them getting it themselves, knowing someone, you know, having to change their livelihood and changing their, their day-to-day activities. Um, this is one thing that can kind of return us back to normalcy, even if normalcy is right. uh, baseball with, an, with empty stands or sex dolls, if you're that one Korean team that got fined <laughs> very massively. Um, you know, certainly wouldn't be normal compared to past leagues, but at least – it would give us something to look forward to and something to watch, and, and that cannot be uh, understated at all. The NBA certainly seems as that as if they're probably trending at least to playing something. It seems like the players are very motivated to finish off the season. The of course the league and the ownership are very very motivated as well. This is one of the first years I can remember in, in some time, Chris, where there are several true contenders to win the championship. 
I mean, you have her, both both the Lakers and Clippers here in Los Angeles, of course, absolutely are title contenders. Uh, the Bucks, I could say, are, are very much, you know, probably the title favorite, to be honest, coming out of the East with presumed uh, MVP Giannis Antetokounmpo. Uh, the Raptors, I don't think you can write them off as defending champs, even though they lost Kawhi Leonard. Um, there are, I would say, at least three that you can make the case for that are absolutely contenders to win this thing. And you never know, obviously, with the duration of this layoff, if that can increase to more. So... What I'm saying is there's actually some – the conference finals have a chance to be great. The finals have a chance to be fantastic. You can see some uh, some earlier matches that are great. This could be a very, very fun postseason, even if it doesn't look like years past. Rumor came out earlier this week that reports have it that the league is now favoring uh, the Disney Wide World of Sports Complex in Orlando. There are six courts there. There are obviously tons of lodging. You already have tons of professional sports resuming in Florida, including UFC as the law's uh, are dictated by that state are much friendlier to restarting than they are certain other places. You had legs to Vegas earlier in this conflict, but it does not seem like the league is favoring that at this time. So it looks like we're going to see some sort of NBA season at some point. The, the latest rumors have them uh, kind of just scrapping the regular season, a seven-game regular season, maybe playing a little bit uh, of regular season games. But uh, as we discussed a, a couple of different times, it, basically the playoffs are, are pretty much set. There are a few teams at the bottom uh, of both leagues that could go up or down, but uh, generally speaking, you know, you're going to be fine to just start the playoffs after a brief training camp. So we could see them starting in July, playing in Orlando, playing that kind of bubble effect as we discussed uh, before we went online there. We discussed a couple of different scenarios of how you could potentially sell tickets. Maybe it's just in the nosebleeds. You know, maybe it's having a, a select group of courtside tickets that sell for big bucks that you have to quarantine with them. You have to get tested with them. You discussed the, the Bill Simmons one, which is what I just kind of discussed there. Maybe it's a marriage of, of, of a little bit of both. What would be your, I guess, main suggestion to Commissioner Silver if, if they were consulting you on how to get this going? And do you like playing there in Orlando? I think uh, I like that what I heard was that the players, the, there was a, a phone call between like the major guys in the league that got to like the Chris Pauls, the LeBron James, Anthony Davis got on a phone and were like, yo, does everybody want to play? Yeah, we all want to play. Okay, we're going to play especially after Michelle Roberts, who's the players union head came out and was like, nobody's playing anywhere um, ever. And really <laughs> came out pretty strongly in the negative. Uh, but those guys kind of shot that down pretty quick. I think you eliminate the teams that are eliminated. Don't play all those guys stay home. If you're the Chicago bulls, sorry, you're gone. Like let's take as much risk out of it. You guys sit on the sidelines. If you still legitimately have a shot to make the playoffs, then you're in until you're not. You know, do a five game, do a seven, do an eight game tune up. Uh, I think, or well, I don't like Orlando, but I think Orlando's great. Like, I think the Wide World Sports Complex is a perfect place to do it. Um, and I would blend it, right? So let's just say you have five thousand seats in those arenas, right? In those in those smaller enclosed arenas, sell five hundred nosebleed tickets and take Bill Simmons' idea and sell ten courtside like $5 million package, right? And you come in with the team, if you're the courtside guys, you come in with the team, you get tested, and you're in the bubble too. You don't leave, you stay in the hotel, and if you do leave, no readmittance, right? You're gone. And I think there are plenty of people, not only in the U.S., but overseas, that would gladly be on TV, would pay that money, pay that big bucks to be on TV and spend you know, two months uh, doing whatever because they have the cash to do it. I think we're going to get there. I think the NBA will come out here in the next two weeks and say, you know, July 15th, we're going to play the last eight seasons of the regular season to, you know, whatever we need to sort out who's in and who's out. 
it'll be a good tune-up for those guys. Uh, and then you play in the bubble, and it's fine. There was, uh, I think it was actually Michelle Roberts who said this is like imprisoning them, right? And that's a bad look when you've got young black males who, you know, can't leave where they are, right? Like, give me a break. You're making enough money. Spending time at a hotel is fine. Uh, Adam Silver did the smart thing of reframing it and calling it a college campus. Brilliant. Like, whatever you need to see it, whatever you need to label it, uh, that's fine. These guys are going to survive. They're making millions of dollars. Like, hardly any of them spend time with their families anyway when they're traveling. So sack it up for two months. Make $10 million. Be famous. uh, Put your cape on. Actually do something heroic for once, semi-heroic for once, uh, and get out there and play some sports. It's it's difficult, you know. Obviously, you don't want to understate that um, these these guys are sacrificing their bodies and, and their time away from their families. And you know, maybe you you quarantine with your families. I don't know if that's realistic or not. But that that's yeah. really the main objection I'm hearing from players across the board uh, that actually really uh, identifies with me. You know, I, I wouldn't want to go away from my family for you know an a, a undisclosed amount of time, especially for baseball, where it's a long season. You know, for two months for a postseason, I think that's more realistic. Uh, but, you know, Mike Trout make it, makes a great example. You know, he's expecting his first child the next several months. Uh, he's not going to miss that. So does he have to then quarantine for two weeks and miss 14 games or more if there's double headers? And so that that really seems to be the main uh, complication that I'm hearing that actually resonates with me. So we'll see. Uh, but it does seem like we're trending towards sports again. Uh, you had uh, Governor Newsom kind of backtrack on a statement that there would be no sports at all. Um, he, he basically said there could definitely be sports next month without spectators and then maybe down the road uh, with a smaller number of spectators. You've got some states that are fully opening up. I saw pictures in Arizona, full stocked bars. I have friends traveling there that are doing crazy things. So it's just crazy the difference between state to state, the regulations and how people are living this and breathing this. Obviously, the hotspots are, are far different in a place like New York City versus uh, you know, a South Dakota or whatever. So it's just, we're all in this together, but it's it's obviously far different for everyone. So it's just a weird ordeal for sure. Yeah, I think it tells you though that the public is much more willing to risk something, right? To go to the bar and get a beer um, <laughs> than the professional athletes, right? Who right. I think will be much more protected. So I'm coming out a little strong and I get it. This is a health issue. Like you could potentially lose your life on it. But as you said, you know what, Mike Trout? Good on you, man. I'm not missing my kid's birth. No chance in hell. So what do I do? I stay for the birth. And then at any time, right, if I'm not comfortable leaving for a month or two, or maybe I come back for the last five games. Like, whatever you want to do, Mike Trout, do it. Uh, I'm not going to hammer him for it. But we can't have, I don't think, we can't have what-if scenarios dictating what the entire rest of the league should do. Um, Let's move forward. Let's, you know, plan for the worst uh, pray for the best and give it a shot at least, right? Let's not live in fear of what might happen. Mm-hmm. Well said. Well, that's the current state of sports, which is we don't know anything, and <laughs> we'll see what happens here over the coming <laughs> weeks and months. Now, we're going to talk about The Last Dance, which concluded last Sunday, episodes 9 and 10. But before we do that, let's talk about our sponsor for this week, and that's, of course, BetOnline.ag. This podcast and all of the Great Believe podcasts are presented by BetOnline. While you're waiting this out, you can still have some fun with our partner, BetOnline. Of course, we just discussed it. There's no basketball, hockey, or baseball. But don't worry. BetOnline still has hundreds of games, events, and sports to wager on. First of all, you have NASCAR back. They're in Florida. You've got UFC back. They're also in Florida. You've got Madden and NBA 2K simulations. There's a 10,000-person Madden bracket challenge. You've got politics. They're taking a lot of bets uh, this November. Dave Mason, our friend, 
that was on our podcast uh, last month is a great follow on Twitter. He has a lot of great analysis for, for uh, uh, political betting. So go ahead and follow him. Uh, and of course, coming up this Sunday, there is uh, an event with Bet Online has ex Chicago Bulls Horace Grant, Bill Cartwright, Greg Hodges, and Ron Harper joining to discuss the Michael Jordan documentary on what they're calling the final dance, which is, of course, what we're going to discuss next. There's still some fun to be had, so go to betonline.ag, use the promo code MYPOD100, MYPOD100, to receive your welcome bonus from your first deposit. Again, it's betonline.ag, and use the promo code MYPOD100. BetOnline, your online wagering solution. So go to BetOnline for you next Sunday. They're going to have that event. We're also going to discuss here the last dance. Of course, this hits home for you a little bit heavier, Chris. You grew up in Chicago in that era. I'm sure it was larger than life. Um, you know, obviously, we had something similar with the Lakers, a three-peat from 2000, 2002. I was a young man then. Uh, and, of course, the, the back-to-back championships in 09 and 10. Uh, it was a little different. Those two teams were, were different. One had Shaq. One had Pau Gasol. Um, and, you know, the Lakers are a three-peat. They were a dynasty. Of course, they share the same coach in Phil Jackson. But uh, it really just seems like the Bulls were just larger than life. Uh, they really augmented the viewership, both nationally and internationally, uh, of the NBA. It just really changed the sport, changed the game. It was an interesting uh, d- documentary. I thought it was very well done. Uh, I-, I wish they would have stuck a little bit more chronological. It was extremely hard to follow. You're going back and forth, back and forth, back and forth all the time, but a great job of the production staff there at ESPN, and, and really just a treat to witness that. They did not have to move it up. I read that a couple of their producers and editors came down with coronavirus. The last two or even three episodes were fully produced from home. So just a, a remarkable job by them in a time that we needed it most. What were just your, your general pie-in-the-sky thoughts about The Last Dance? I thought they did a really good job, uh, especially at the, you know, I got goosebumps. Uh, I think I said this before, uh, when Randy Brown does What Time Is It Game Time, um, you know, Ooh. hearing yeah, hearing Ray Clay say, and now, um, you know, really got my blood going. It's, you know, I, it's a lot of what I knew. I think it's, it's cool that the rest, especially younger generation is kind of getting a taste of just, he was so, so, so ultra competitive uh, in everything. Right. And there was a, with this going on, there's all these old interviews and articles popping up. And there was one, somebody asked Phil Jackson, who was more competitive, Kobe or Michael. And he said, Michael, and not because, they, you know, Kobe was a 10 in his level of competition in basketball. But when Kobe left, the court and left the facility. He was just a regular guy. Michael couldn't turn it off. It's like a, it's like an addiction. He had to ping pong, you know, throwing quarters. You saw that, like it just never ended. He have to be competing against you all the time. Uh, and I think, uh, I think that was a good, a good kind of message that people were getting through younger generations that didn't see him and just heard about him, uh, kind of getting the, the taste of it. And also, getting you know those memories and getting an idea that like i thought they were invincible you know when i was a preteen and a teenager when they were playing and winning but actually thinking like wow they're like they could have lost that like a bounce of the ball this way a different thing that way um and just how how difficult it is to i think pull something like that off and and you know will you ever see somebody do kind of that long long winning streak again um is crazy but i enjoyed the heck out of it um, I didn't know if I was too biased or not, but uh, I know the ratings were through the roof, uh, like six million viewers per episode, which is which is as much or more than like a Monday night football game uh, is what is what it was being compared to. So, yeah, totally loved it. Um, 
I think they probably wish they <laughs> they wish they had another one in the can. You know, some ESPN executive is like, why didn't we already have one of these done for the Lakers or for Kobe um, to go and show it and kind of capture the capture the public's perception again? Well, you do have the I think the Lance Armstrong documentary is coming out soon. You've got the summer of '98. Home Run Chase, Mark McGuire, Sammy Sosa documentary that's launching, I believe, sometime next month. And then just earlier today, actually, they announced they're making a nine-part documentary on Tom Brady, similarly to how this was produced for The Last Dance. We'll have to wait until next year for that one, uh, but two, obviously, of the arguable, if not the actual all-time greats in their perspective sports. I really liked really the kind of the personal touches that were on there. You saw both of the security guards really get, um, you know, kind of uh, a spotlight um, of their lives and interviews and, and how he kind of kept his inner circle very close to him. I thought that was really cool. Um, and it was just really interesting to kind of get a peek behind there. Obviously, those last two episodes were the majority of the footage of that exclusive season, that 97, 98 season, in which this was just the impetus for. Uh, everything else was kind of just a backdrop. I really liked hearing Steve Kerr's story. I mean, I knew the story about his father being assassinated in Lebanon, but, um, you know, I could watch an entire documentary uh, about Steve Kerr. I mean, he is just a... Uh, I thought just a fascinating story based on, um, you know, not just his, his personal life off the court, but, um, you know, barely getting a scholarship to Arizona and then making a career out of it. And a lot of people forget uh, he actually won four straight titles. I think he's one of the only people in NBA history, maybe besides the Celtics teams in the 60s, to win four straight, of course, the three straight with the Bulls. And then he, believe it or not, if most people don't remember, in that lockout short in season 99, he was on the Spurs. I completely mm-hmm. forgot about that until I saw a tweet the other day uh, about that. So, some really cool things, and I saw a tweet. Someone said that, um, you know, this helps the profile of Michael Jordan, certainly, but everyone knew Michael Jordan as, as the best ever, as Jumpman, as, you know, really just a sensational guy. It kind of brought that back to light, but really who this helped the most, I think, in terms of the rehab of their image was Phil Jackson. Everyone, oh, yeah. no yeah. one's going to ever remember the complete flop that happens as an executive in New York. Um, that is out of everyone's minds forever. It's probably the last time we'll ever talk about it. Everyone's going to remember him now as, you know, the, the six-time NBA coach, uh, champion of coach of the Bulls, the five-time champion of the Lakers. He also won a title, I think, or two with the Knicks. Playing um, with the Knicks, yeah. Yeah, so, so we're just going to think about him as a champion, as a motivator, as someone that did things differently. You saw all kinds of weird things that he did that, that, that worked, you know, and that's what it really everyone said at the time. And, and since then is Phil Jackson just an absolute master of managing egos, of managing tension, uh, that 98 season, that was, as was very well detailed, there was an immense amount of tension in that locker room, in that organization. Um, I don't think they win that title, certainly, without Phil Jackson. Maybe not any of those titles without Phil Jackson. So while Michael Jordan certainly was the engine that made the Bulls run, um, there was a lot of other pieces that were capable and that made this team to what it was. And so I think a lot of times when people say, oh, it's just Michael Jordan and no one else, um, that's really disrespectful for to what I think is the best NBA coach of all time in Phil Jackson, to what was probably the best Robin of all time and Scottie Pippen, to probably a top 15, 20 player of all time, both defensively and offensively. Dennis Robin, of course, you saw tons of tremendous role players, John Paxson, Steve Kerr, uh, Luke Longley was not really talked about very much in this, but it was a tremendous player. Tony Kukoc, all they mentioned with him was just how much they wanted to beat him in the, in the 92 Olympics. He was an absolutely crucial component yeah. in those final couple seasons. Um, they were they were just a well well built team. Jerry Krause, no matter how much this documentary really uh, kind of crapped all over him, deserves a, a tremendous amount of credit for building that team. Uh, you know, drafting Pippen and, and bringing in Rodman and, and just the things that he did 
hiring Doug Collins, a relatively unknown guy, and then yep. of course promoting Phil Jackson. So while everyone had their faults, and still Michael Jordan is the star. He is the best player of all time. Uh, I don't think it should be forgotten. And I think this documentary did a good job of justifying that, that there are a lot of other people that were responsible for those title runs. And uh, it was just a, a fantastic watch. And uh, we'll have to wait to the next one. And hopefully we'll get a Kobe one someday. But I'm really looking forward to that uh, the summer uh, home run chase of 98 one that we'll, we'll see hopefully sometime next month. So Yeah, you're, you're really right on the Phil Jackson thing because when they get around to doing a Kobe or Lakers one, uh, in the next like four years, uh, right back he'll, on it. he'll be he'll be right back on there. He'll be right, super exactly. proud of it. And it was um, cool to see him in the outside of his like log cabin and presumably Montana. It just looked like he was he probably has a great quarantine given his location. Some of the other guys it was like okay, Michael Jordan's uh, that wasn't actually his house, but it was still oh, that's a nice house on the beach in Florida. Uh, Pippen had a, a nice looking house. Some other guys had nice looking houses, but Phil Jackson looked like he could do whatever he wanted. He was just isolated on this cabin. And it looked it looked awesome. So. Yeah, Good that's, uh, I, I did some research on why there wasn't a little bit more Luke Longley. And I guess if you know anything about the geography of Australia, uh, it's basically desolate. Like outside of kind of Sydney and, and Perth, there's no it's it's miles and miles and miles and miles of nothing. Uh, and Luke apparently lives in the middle of nowhere. And uh, he, they, you know, they asked him if he would do, you know, like a, a Skype or a Zoom or, you know, could they meet him somewhere or would he, you know, meet halfway? And he just he wasn't about wasn't about doing it very much anti limelight guy. But um, I think what's interesting to me is if you look, so when you go on ESPN, uh, if you stream it, the picture is of uh, Michael and Scotty. And then there's a big, bigger one of Michael, Scotty, Dennis, and Steve, Steve Kerr. Mm -hmm. My memory of that team is Steve was a great role player, like filled in, hit some big threes, but Tony right. Kukoc was the, was the fourth guy. Right, uh, right. For sure. I mean, I think he averaged 20 points a game during that season. Couldn't he, play like, the third guy, presumably, yeah, or, yeah, or the two B or whatever. Yeah, couldn't play a lick of defense, but the guy could. The guy could definitely fill it up. Um, right. and it was interesting because they had him on and they talked about that '92 thing, but I guess it was more. Never of a, saw him again. <laughs> yeah, more of a just you know we can't talk about everything, so I guess we'll right. just kind of we won't focus on that. And Steve Kerr is very current, being the head coach of the Warriors, and, exactly. and maybe just more accessible. So yeah, yeah, um, but it, totally enjoyed it. It was uh, it was a great watch and brought back a lot of memories. Yeah, great watch. It was, it was it gave us something to do, something to look forward to every Sunday night. And uh, this Sunday will just won't be the same, obviously. Yeah. But next Sunday, Ben Online has <laughs> that that great event. So make sure you tune in to that. So, anyways, this was episode forty-four. Excuse me, forty-five of Believe in Betting LA. Hopefully, we'll have some real bets to discuss soon. Any final thoughts for this episode here, Chris? <sighs> Shout out to Bet Online. I didn't even think about it, but apparently they had some last dance props. Basically, my point on that stuff is, well, I wouldn't be putting super serious money down on anything that's going on right now. Still fun. Check out, yeah. check out Bet Online because a lot of like off me, the wall stuff. <laughs> don't want to miss the Michael Jordan Last Dance cigar prop that was just free, <laughs> free cheese. There really were just cigars everywhere. <laughs> it was just wild to see the differences in uh, society and just over the course of 20 to 25 years. So. All right, well, for the Believe Podcast Network, for Stack Capital, for Chris Lewart, I'm Sam Maxwell. Thank you guys for listening, and we'll see you guys next time.
Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.